Welcome to This Is Life. All right, guys, hope you've had a wonderful week. And once again, I want to just extend appreciation for everybody who's listening. And I think we even picked up a lot of new subscribers and new listeners in the last couple of weeks. So I don't know how or when or uh, where you guys came from, but I appreciate it nonetheless. And I uh, just it motivates me just to keep on moving on and, and just presenting and producing these shows for you guys. And I do hope they've been a blessing to you. Okay, so this is going to be uh, the final continuation of my story with uh of course, everyone, if you haven't heard already, I highly recommend going back and listening to the podcast episodes that I have on uh, our my good friend's daughter, Aria, who unfortunately has passed away, but she suffered uh, and fought uh, against kidney cancer. And uh, I was uh, did a series of episodes with her mother, uh, with Jessica. I did one with, uh, the, I guess, the stepfather is what you'd call him, uh, CJ. Uh, kind of from his point of view. And then today, however, and I've been promising this for a while, and I'm very happy that he's a, he, he made the choice and is willing to come on in. I have today, I have uh, Chris with me. So, Chris, thanks for being here. Thank you. So, so Chris is, just, just as I kind of put a, 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 an introduction, Chris is as Aria's father. Uh, I've known Chris for over a decade. In fact, I knew him before I even knew him, which is kind of a fun thing. Uh, the, the ministry office that I work with, uh, he was actually the courier driver for a local shipping company that would come in every single day. We, this is back in the day when my, see, my dad does a Bible prophecy ministry, and that's kind of where I work at right now. I'm the operations manager for that. And back in the day, before there was a lot of, before computers, and you could send things to the internet and the cloud and all that other stuff, you had to send uh, tapes or CDs. And so every single day, we'd have to have a local overnight service come in and pick up uh, these. These, these cassettes or DVD or CDs to send to all the radio stations that we were on. Uh, yes, very inconvenient, very expensive. Well, uh, he came in every single day, and we didn't even, you know, we knew him just out of that capacity. And then before I know it, uh, he was actually invited to the church that we had by a friend of his. And, uh, and it's really, and I've just, I've known him ever since. And it was just really kind of cool, just kind of how that all worked out. So he, him and, Jessica, uh, they got together. They were married. Yes, they have since they have since divorced and separated, but they were still co-parents and very good parents. I might add to not only to to Aria but to Aiden, the older brother as well. And they just really you know, may not have worked out to, as far as a couple and a relationship, but their ability to parent and to be that source of strength and love for their kids that's never changed, and that's always been very strong. And it's always been very important to both of them the co-parent and even jessica um became mother to chris's oldest daughter Alyssa, whom you've heard us talk about uh and so just this family you know albeit may not be your typical mom and dad's you know together family it doesn't matter the, the fact that they still love their kids and are still you know wanting to see the best outcome in life for their kids that's really been their motivation and heart and you can't as especially as as parents you know you can't ask much more than just giving your kids everything you can and and that's unfortunately what happened when they were faced with this hard truth that they're at the time when she was three right she was four at the time of diagnosis four. so their four-year-old daughter 
uh, all of a sudden, as you heard in the stories earlier, was had just complaining of some some pain in her stomach. We we're hoping and praying and thinking that it might just be some sort of appendicitis, but of course it ended up being uh, kidney cancer. Chris, if you wouldn't mind, kind of talk to me from your point of view. How did you first hear about before you even knew the diagnosis? Where were you when you got the call that Aria was being taken to the hospital because of some sort of pain in her stomach? Um, I was at home uh, hanging out with uh, uh, my friend Tony and uh, his family. They had come over to visit, and um, I got a phone call from Jessica saying that Aria's stomach was really hurting her and she wanted to take her. She she called and asked if I thought it was a good idea to take her in, and I said yes because uh, she had been hurting for for a while and we thought you know maybe there's you know some kind of appendicitis or you know something going on uh with her stomach and she did have a little bit of a bulge there so we thought you know maybe something ruptured or something uh, so i told her to go ahead and take her in and uh, just to let me know what was going on not thinking you know of course i mean you're not thinking it's anything majorly to the, at this point i mean worst case scenario appendicitis but if, you know for all we know it could just be some sort of stomach bug or some sort of you know issue that's not you know a major issue at this point right yeah, yeah. we didn't we didn't have any clue that it was something major right did um now, did you? I think I remember Jessica said that that they when they when they found out that it was something more serious. That's when you you actually were already at the hospital at that point, right? Uh, no, um, when she called me uh, a little while later, uh, actually it was a few hours later. Um, she didn't tell me what it was. She just said I needed to get up to the hospital right Come away. On. What were you? What were you thinking, man? Like, what was in your brain? I mean, what were you? I, I had no idea, but I a phone call like that just automatically. I knew it had to be something serious. Right. Um. So I had my friend, uh, you know, watch my other kids, and I went straight up there. Right. So you get to the hospital, and uh, when they when they bring you, I know that they had the oncologist come in. And just says, hey, just, just, just so you know. And from what it sounds like, it was very just matter of fact. Like there wasn't a production. It was just, hey, this is what we found. We found that Aria suffers from kidney cancer. Uh, yeah, when I once I got up to the hospital, um, Jessica broke the news to me. Uh, the doctor hadn't even come in sure. to see me yet. She, they had gone to do some more testing, right. or whatever, and. Um, Jessica started talking to me about it and told me what the doctor had told her. And um, that's when I just, I, I kind of stood back and suddenly I had a lot of crazy thoughts running through my head. Well, as a, as a father to a father, I think that, because I put myself in your position before, you know, trying to imagine our job as a father is, is to provide. And I think not only does it provide, but also more importantly, I think a bigger part of that is, to protect and when you're given the news such as that and of course i mean there was news that was accompanied with it like listen you know there is a 90 percent success rate we can 
that we still have abilities here. We can fight. We can, you know, provide chemotherapy. We can provide radiation. We can, you know, do all of these things to, to give us the absolute best chance for her to make it out of this. And not only make it out of this, but to survive and have, a, you know, a normal life. But you're right. I think that the natural inclination right away is to just let your brain just kind of go crazy, you know. And, and how, did, how did you contain that? Like, how would you... Because you don't want to do that. Like I, I think that it's my mind. I, my, I would be like, I, my brain may seem to want to just spread all over, go to the worst possible scenarios, all these things. But at the same time, I know that's not what's best for my child. So I'm gonna have to just contain all those, wrap them up, and and just focus on what, every single day as it is, rather than thinking about the worst possible scenarios all the time. Well, honestly, when I first found out i i was pretty much in shock yeah uh, i didn't know what to think i didn't know what to do i do remember the doctor coming in and trying to explain it to me and said she said uh i know you're not going to remember half of what i say but the one thing that you can be sure of is that by the time this is over you will fully understand what it is and how to deal with it. Mm. Um, and basically she said, uh, you'll become an expert at dealing with cancer. Did that end up being true? Um, unfortunately, yes. Probably know more about cancer and about pediatric cancer specifically than you ever even thought you ever would have to have to know. Yes. Unf wow. Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. When you first saw your daughter after hearing and seeing this diagnosis i mean how, how did you did you go see her right away or how did that happen i mean how? yes um when i when i got there uh they they took me back to her room and she was in there um jessica was in there cj was in there uh, some of the nurses were in there and um you know i i came up to her i gave her a hug told her i loved her and uh you know that that's when everything was explained to me as to what was going on here man so now at that point it's just kind of like well we're gonna just go to work right we're gonna just fight we're gonna no, no? I, I again i i was still in shock it um by the time i got home uh and i told my my friend what was going on and um i just at, at that point, I didn't even want to go to work the next day. Okay. Um, I did, but then I I pulled my boss aside and yeah, told him. How do you do that, though? Because all of a sudden, like, you're expected to still live a normal life, even though you've given been given news that's not normal. You know, no one ought to be ever given the news that their child has cancer, let alone, you know, having to now become experts on cancer. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Uh, so you're right. I, I can imagine motivating yourself to do anything normal, even eating or sleeping is probably difficult. I, I did not sleep well at all that night. And, you know, the next day after I, when I talked to my boss, I told him, look, I'm, I'm not really in my right mind right now. I probably should not be at work. And he let me go home okay. so that I could take the day to. Was that? Do you, was that a better choice? You think when, when you got home? I, I think so because I'm I I wasn't in I I couldn't think straight I I couldn't concentrate on work right um I I needed time to wrap my head around 
everything that was going on and what the future was going to hold. Right. And it's so hard even to, cause you don't, I, I can imagine, you know, you, you would want to hope for the best, but your brain, at least my brain would always be thinking about the worst possible scenario. Uh, well, did, and did that struggle? Did you have a struggle with that? Oh yes. Um, I mean, that's, that's what I thought about for a long, long time. Um, you know, I thought, what are we going to do now? How are, how are we going to take care of her? Is she going to die? Is, 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 can we save her? Is there anything we can do to, to make this right? You know, uh, so many thoughts go through your head when you first get news like that, that it, it, you don't think straight. I mean, nobody does. That's news that basically you know it that's all you can think about for a long long time and so yeah i i struggled a lot just through daily things for a while um and until i got into a routine of dealing with you know having to take off of work all the time and and take care of her and then you know it Fighting cancer is, is a big, big sacrifice. Yeah, it's a lot more than just going to doctor's visits and chemotherapy, right? I mean, oh yes. Well, I kind of explain that to to people, like, because you're right. I think people have an, an understanding that if I have cancer, it means that I go to the doctor and I put, I have to sit in a chair or I have chemotherapy. But it is so much more than that. Like, help people understand, you know, what a diagnosis of cancer. How does that change your life? How, how does it, how do you go from typical everyday more most normal americans lives to now a family dealing with a specifically a child with cancer what things change well you know after after she uh had her surgeries and uh, chemo and radiation and everything else that she had to go through um we you know we had to take time off of work uh to be with her we had to you know, reassure her that we were always going to be there for her and and love her and show her that no matter what, she's loved. Um, you know, we'll we'll always be there for her. We'll take care of her. We'll do everything we we can and have to to uh, just to be there for her and try to make things better as we can. Was there ever a time that she seemed scared of the future at all? Um, yeah, uh, especially in the beginning, um, you know, every time they would poke and prod on her, uh, she, she was, she was scared at first. Um, un- unfortunately over the years that we dealt with it, she got used to it. Uh, yeah. something a child should never have no. to do, no. but yeah, she was, she was terrified at first. Um, I, I can remember one time. Uh, we were in the emergency room with her, and uh, the nurses were trying to uh, insert a needle into her. And I, I'm not sure what happened, but somehow the needle bent, and it was starting to hurt her. And I had, unfortunately, I yelled at the nurse to tell her to stop. Well, what are you going to do? Yes. I mean, I, I completely agree. I think, yeah, uh, especially when your child's sitting there already in pain and having to deal with you're right. A needle going through her body that is 
causing her significant. Yeah, no, of course. What else are you going to do? I mean, absolutely. Every time we went to the hospital, she would have to get needles stuck in her. And, uh, you know, it, she would always tense up because, you know, kids do that. Adults do that, too. But, um, yeah, I mean, she she did finally, we, we finally got some nurses that were really, really good and knew how to make kids feel comfortable. Right. And so that that helped a lot, but uh, you know, in the in the beginning, she was extremely scared. I was scared for her. Of course. What did um? Did she ever ask why she had to keep getting needles put in her, or why she kept on having to go to the doctor? Like, do, do you think do you think she just understood that they were helping her get better? Did that? Like, no, I guess my question is, does she know that she was sick? She knew she was sick. She didn't know why she was sick, but she knew she was sick. And we did our best to reassure her that every time we went to the hospital or every time we went to see a doctor, it was to try to help her get better. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we we made sure that she understood, or at least we hope she understood that. This was all to help her. Right. Everything we did was to help her get better. Well, and that, that's why I have to go back to what I was saying at the beginning. Like, like even though you and Jessica weren't married, the fact that you had Aria together, that that really was your bond and that you guys really worked well together. I may not have always seemed like that to you. I don't know. But from an outsider's perspective, seeing you guys just focus on aria and helping her and making her feel better and providing for her and providing for her needs and for her health and for her well-being i mean you guys did everything you could do and that's that's commendable because a lot of people aren't like that especially couples who aren't together anymore for even even you know if they're they, they fight about their kids lunch money or they fight about stupid little things that really don't matter you know, so let alone having to face this life and death scenario with their daughter, you know, you guys really did come together for that. After Jessica and I separated, um, me personally, I, I turned my focus to my kids and I made sure that they were my number one priority. Um, if they needed me, I was there. If, if they needed something from me, I did everything I could to make sure it happened. Um, so I, I pretty much quit worrying about the future as, as far as relationships and things like that go. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're pretty much married to your kids. Yeah, I, yeah. Basically, I I turned a hundred percent of my focus to my children. Right, that's huge, man. And I think your kids are better for it, and will be even. You know, I think that Alyssa and Aiden, you know, and Aria, for while she was here, um, I think that meant the world to them, man. And 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 I'm glad. I, I'm definitely you don't see that often, and I don't know if I've ever told you from my point of view just how much I, I appreciate seeing that because it is something that I think has made a huge difference in your kids lives and and they will in the future 
you know, when they're all making their own decisions and even have to suffer consequences of their own mistakes later on, you know, they had a good example of a, of a father and also a mother of, of how to really grow and be benefit, you know, be just good people in this world. I think that we're lacking a lot of just good people and, and you're raising good people. Um, all right, man. So let's, I want you to kind of talk about this. Just kind of like, um, I want to get paint people a picture of Aria and, and, and just some of the fun memories, man. She was a very fun kid. Uh, dude, my, my daughter of course was one of her best friends. And so one of the things I miss most is just hearing their little giggles and talks and all the things that they noises that they would make, you know, when, 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 I, when we would go over there and let them play. And, and Aria was just always, you know, while she was sick for the most, majority of the time, man, like, it's just like, she just, still loved life and still loved showing others that life was worth living, you know, even, even though it wasn't her intention, that just kind of just naturally came out of her. What are some fun memories that you have with her, man? Like what are some of the, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of pulling back the curtain about your relationship with her, you know, as a father to a daughter, um, you know, because it was cut short, you know, there might not be a lot, but at least the ones that definitely staying has to stand out. Maybe it could be something, just something that happened over dinner one night or, you're driving in a car or just maybe she drew you a special picture. I don't know. Just kind of, you know, share, you know, several, you know, one to several fun memories that you have with Aria. So people kind of hear, you know, what, what kind of a, what kind of a daughter and a kid she was. Um, yeah, she, she was, uh, a very fun loving, uh, very energetic child. Um, you know she uh she loved her baby dolls yeah man so All much babies. uh including some not so pretty baby dolls <laughs> right. um but she loved them uh she would sometimes she would steal my my phone and uh make videos she she loved watching youtube videos of people playing with their dolls and Dude, I remember that. There was one night I was actually, I'm going to cut you off, but I do remember that because there was a night that I, I think you had to like, uh, your your dad had a medical emergency, so you asked if I could come over and watch the kids, and I was free the night, so I went over there, and, and I remember that, like, you said, don't worry about Aria, she'll pretty much be on YouTube watching videos, and I was like, what do you mean? And sure enough, like, she was, it was like, it was like videos of other kids playing with these baby dolls, and she would just sit there and just like it was not not only did like she take the pleasure in playing with baby dolls but like she even loved watching other people play with baby dolls that she didn't even have yeah and sh sh there's times where she would take my phone uh, if i'd left it sitting on the couch yeah. or chair or whatever and she would make her own videos oh i didn't know that oh yeah I, i've i've kept several of them uh, <laughs> and she would go around and do just like they do on YouTube, other people do on YouTube, and show their babies doing different things and <laughs> this, that, and the other. And then at, after some of the videos, when she was about to stop recording, she would uh, say uh, something about, uh, if you like watching my videos, click like and subscribe. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just like they do on YouTube. YouTube star without even even being on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she really really enjoyed that. Uh, one of my favorite uh, memories with her uh, is the fact that she was my horror movie buddy. Yep, that's true. Um, my other two kids didn't really care for horror movies, and I love horror movies. 
And Death, Destruction, and Disney. All right, that, those are your three favorite D movies. That's what I've always said and heard. Death. <laughs> yeah. One of her favorites um, happened to be Stephen King's It. Right. Uh, the she, new, the new, the remake. Right. She loved the original. Oh, that's great. The Tim I, Curry I, version. The Tim Curry version. <laughs> and when the new one came out. Um, she she absolutely loved it, That's and so we had planned on seeing the second one. Right. Uh, unfortunately, we she didn't make it that long. Right. But uh, uh, speaking of the second one, man, there's a scene in there that this is the old lady in that movie. There's an old scene. I don't, if you haven't seen it, folks, it's it's a scene with this creepy old ladies in the movie, and there's certain you know s- scary scenes in this. But I was like, man, that is Ari. I already would have loved that old lady in the movie. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes, she would have. And the the funny thing about that is is, is my uh, she loved teasing her older sister because her older sister absolutely hates clowns. Oh wow! And. Um, so she would always want to watch something with a clown in it. Just just to antagonize her older just sister. Just to antagonize her older right. sister. So when that second one came out, um, I made her older sister go with me to see it. Oh, that's fun. Um, did Alyssa do it? She did. She, <laughs> she went and saw it. And the reason she went and saw it, because she was trying to, trying to honor Aria. Sure. And uh, she knew Aria would absolutely love it, so wow. she went with me. That's so great. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Man. Horror movie, I, yeah, I remember that because I remember I'd go over because um, t- towards the end of her life, she spent a lot of time just because she couldn't really move and get around a lot of places. So she spent a lot of time over Jessica's house. And I remember when I would go over there, like bring dinner to the house or whatever, Ari would be sitting there you know, or laying there on, on Jessica's lap just going through horror movies on Netflix you know, just not nope, seen that one, seen that one, you know, or she would watch, you know, these, and it was just, it was so weird to see this little seven year old, you know, but like that, you're right. That's what she loved. And it was like, where do you think that came from? Like, where do you, do you think that she just, was she always like that? Was she always into like scary horror movies? She's been watching horror movies with me since she was about four years old. Right. Dude. I, yeah. And that's, that's impossible, man. Like my, my daughter, like, we can be watching anything. We could be watching a musical on TV where there's no scary parts. We could be watching, you know, Spider-Man or whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. In Iceland, she will not sit down on a sofa or anywhere to watch, or watch a movie. She's always standing. And every time I were talking, it's because she's afraid that there's going to be some sort of scary part. That way she can just run away to not see the part. And that's that's completely opposite from Arya. Arya was like, the more scarier the better, you know. Yeah, she was. <laughs> so that's, that's that's pretty great. Does she have a favorite scary movie besides it? Or is um, that pretty much that was the main one? That was her all time favorite. Do you think that she loved it more because it because <laughs> it scared her sister? <laughs> probably. That's probably why she liked it the most. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> like that's how honorary is that. That's pretty great. That's great, man. What were some of your favorite interactions with her and other people, even strangers? Because I know that when I was around her sometimes, man, just like she just had ability to just make friends wherever she went. And and she she had no yeah, she may be shy, maybe maybe at first, but I mean most of the time though, she was always just so friendly to everybody. Uh, with other adults, um 
she was sometimes shy. Yeah. But around other kids, she was very open and and just someone that you you know she could talk to people right and make friends really easily so she made friends with other kids really easily like in the neighborhood and stuff Uh, oh yeah oh yeah she in fact there was a another girl uh that used to live across the street from me um who happened to have a love of baby dolls and that was a connection that she made very quickly and easily and they would either come over to my house uh, especially in the summertime or you know good weather and sit outside and play with baby dolls for hours wow that probably had to just make you day man just the fact that she was able to find somebody in the neighborhood and that, that she can get along with them and that's every parent's whether you want i mean you want your kids to be able to just experience that because you know i you know you and i grew up in the era where kids would play in the neighborhood you know, I, mean, I remember, you know, they were building ramps and putting in the middle of the street and riding bicycles over the ramp, you know, and hurting ourselves or whatever. But, I mean, we would do that. And you know, I know, like, in my, my parents kind of live in a suburb, a suburb area, kind of similar to you. I mean, I live way out in the country, so it's a little different. But, you know, I know that when I go to my parents' house down in Dallas, they live in an area with a lot of houses. But the street, even on weekends, is quiet everybody's inside and i don't know if it's like that where you live so i but i i know that i you know like my daughter loves playing outside and i wish she would kind of get to know more people in the neighborhood and for you to be able to have that it probably just made you really happy that she would find friends and play outside and just do normal kid things you know yeah out where i live there it's full of kids there's kids everywhere and uh yeah it's a very kid-friendly Right. neighborhood plus we live near a park right uh so there's kids out there playing at the park all the time and and uh you know she would love to get out and ride her bike and and uh find friends to play yeah let's gotta talk about that man like besides from, from watching scary movies and playing the baby dolls what were some of the things that she really enjoyed doing um she always wanted to ride her bike especially if her brother or sister were outside uh, she would beg them to go riding bikes with her. Now, if I understood correctly, she was not about training wheels either. No, she didn't have training wheels after, I don't know, five years old. Wow, that's um, awesome. She, she, we took them off, and she never stopped. Just freedom. I wonder, and did, did even when she was sick, did she ride her bike a lot? Even, um, yeah. As a matter of fact. Um, the the Christmas before she passed away, I had just bought her a brand new bike and, and helmet and pads and all that. And as soon as the weather got good enough, she was outside riding. Right. All the way up through, I want to say... Like May, probably early May. Yeah, well, middle of May, end of May, shortly before yeah. um, her last surgery... Right. Um, she was riding her bike. And that was the, that was a surgery where they were trying to stop the the they had to remove the lining of her lungs so that they wouldn't build up fluid. If I remember right. correctly. Right. Right. Because it would build up and her side would hurt so bad that she couldn't hardly do anything. Uh, but yeah, she was riding her bike right up until then. Would you say that that would be one of the more heartbreaking moments in the journey that you had, as to seeing her going from? being so active and riding her bike to all of a sudden be basically being bedridden um yeah that uh that that's when it 
really put it into perspective for me that she was dying and there was nothing I could do. Yeah. Yeah, what you just said, man, really got me. Because as a dad, there's nothing you can't or won't do to help your children. And coming to that realization that there's nothing you can do, that was probably, I'm guessing here, in some ways harder than even seeing her go, is just giving up that idea and that control and that understanding that I my hands are tied. There's nothing I can do anymore. I, I held off for the longest time. We were told at the beginning of May that her cancer had, cancer had turned terminal and um, her, her oncologist wanted us to sign a, a waiver. Um, the DNR? Right. A do not resuscitate and some other stuff basically saying that we acknowledge that she's dying and there's nothing we can do and I couldn't do it I couldn't do it then in fact I couldn't do it until uh, her surgery uh, for her lung Uh, the surgeon came in and talked to us after the surgery and basically he said she's not going to make it there's nothing more we can do for it. Yeah, if I remember Jessica said that the cancer had pretty much had spread everywhere at that point, all over her lungs, and there was just, there was no... It, it, it had it. taken over one lung, and she only had, it was starting to spread into the other lung. And, um, yeah, once, and then I remember after the doctor said that, Jessica asked me, are you ready to sign the papers now? And, uh, I started I started tearing up and I finally said yeah I, because at that point that's the only thing left you can give her is give her that mercy give her that mercy of because there's nothing else we can do to take this away from her is if she does go into some sort of cardiac arrest or something so at that point the only thing you can give her is freedom yeah, that's a gigantic pill to swallow, man. That's heavy, uh, man. But at the same time, man, that's love. I mean, that's the ultimate love. Literally, when our hands are tied and we are pushed in a corner and there's literally nothing else we can do except stand and just rely on what we know and what we have give, been given to in front of us, all of a sudden now we have to make a hard decision. Yeah, man, that's that's tough, dude, but your love for her goes even beyond any selfish desires of wanting to hold on to the impossible because you know that she is worth not only that mercy but also just that gift of freedom even if it means she is no longer with us. All right, man, so let's kind of switch gears a little bit. I want to 
I think one of the things that people quote unquote know about but don't really know about is just how expensive treatment is. I mean, when I say treatment, we're talking about, you guys had about, if I remember, if I understand correctly, about two and a half years, almost three years of of chemotherapy, of radiation, of hospital visits, of medication. Uh, I mean, every, everything that's included on top of just your day-to-day bills that you're having to, you know, and all the time off work that you guys had to take off. I mean, a rough estimate. How much do you think all, all of her treatment and all of her care without insurance how much do you think it was? Just your best guess. Because Jessica said that you're actually the one who, because you your your work, and uh, you had two insurances through your work and otherwise, so you were the ones who saw a lot of the bills. So she didn't really kind of know. So I was going to ask you, kind of like, what? How much do you think that the the the, the treatment and everything cost? This whole quote unquote, lack of a better word, experience. If I if I had to pay for it out of pocket, mm-hmm. um. It was close to a million dollars. Wow. A million dollars? A million dollars? Yeah. It's like lotto money, man. Her very first surgery, I'll never forget it because the bill shocked me. Um, just the surgery alone, nothing else, was eighty-two thousand, a little over $82,000. And this was the surgery just to remove the kidney and... No, yeah, to remove the kidney that had the tumor on it. Right. Yeah, that didn't cover the doctor's cost or anything like that. That was just the surgery. Yeah, cause you have to you have to pay the the cost. That's one thing about medical bills is you think you're done paying on it, and you get another bill for some other person or some other entity. Like you get the bill for the hospital, you get the bill for the doctor, you get the bill for the anesthesia, you get the bill for the surgery. You have like basically all of these bills that come to you separately, mind you, and you got to pay them all separately. The surgery alone was $82,000. Yeah. Man, I'm glad you guys had insurance. Well, and at first, um, I thought all I had was my insurance. And when I got the bill, I was shocked because I thought it was going to go to my insurance. Um, And apparently, I don't know, something got mixed up and they didn't get the information over to my insurance. So I was in a panic. Right. Trying to figure out how I was going to cover this cost. Well, sure. And this is just the step one. I mean, you guys hadn't even really got into the weeds yet. There hadn't been multiple hospital visits or chemotherapy yet. This was just phase one of your of your experience. Yeah, I, I hadn't even got the bill for the day we took her in for the diagnostic uh, when we first found out that she had cancer. Um, I, I hadn't received any of those bills yet. Wow. Uh, but the hospital was pretty quick to sure. <laughs> to get me the surgery bill. Um, but no, it er, everything. I mean, anytime you see a doctor, anytime a nurse comes in, uh, anytime they take your temperature, they charge you for every little thing, and and all that adds up. I mean, it it got really really expensive, and I once once I got. Uh, my main insurance on board and and got that going uh the costs were were reduced a little bit um but then you know we still had to figure out 
you know, we, we still had thousands of dollars worth of bills that had to be covered. And I was trying to figure out how to do that. And I got a surprise because I, I had had another insurance on all of my kids that I had forgotten about. And I got a letter in like the mail. Like a supplemental insurance type of deal? Right. And I got a, a letter in the mail mail asking me if I wanted to renew the insurance. And um, so I called them. I said, do, do my kids still have coverage? <laughs> and they said, yes. Oh, man. So I said, then yes, I want to renew so that, that it wouldn't lapse. And once that was all done, those thousands of dollars worth of bills that we still had to pay got reduced to a few hundred dollars. Oh, man, what a blessing. And so luckily I was able to get it taken care of and, and try to keep up with the bills. But then when things you know, started uh, taking a lot longer and we had to take off more work and my paychecks became very scarce, right. um, then it still was extremely difficult to pay for everything because, you know, I still had my regular bills, my gas, water, electric, sure. all that. And um, survival, clothes. And, you yeah. know, all the regular bills on top of still having to pay hundreds of dollars worth of, of medical bills. So it, it became very difficult. And, uh, you know, I, I had to learn to change my lifestyle. I had to learn to change the way I do things, the way I think about things, the way I spend money. I had to budget better. Um, it just, it, it became extremely expensive. Uh, you know, fight, fighting cancer is not cheap at all. It, it's very, very What expensive. do people do who don't have insurance? Didn't do. I mean, I mean, I guess there's, because there's groups like I guess there's like Saint Jude and and things like that. And you probably got asked that question all the time. You know, why don't you go to Saint Jude or, or something like that? My understanding would be. I mean, I'm guessing. I guess maybe I can ask you. Like when when people would ask you that, what was your general answer? Like they say, the reason why we didn't go to Saint Jude is because we we couldn't afford to take more time off of work to go to St. Jude. We would have to be gone for weeks at a time. So you'd have to actually, I don't even know where St. Jude's at. It's in Missouri. Okay. The so you'd have to one. go to the hospital and just stay there. You're right. So obviously you, you yeah, you lose a job or you, in your case, you would lose possibly your insurance. If you don't have a job, it just wouldn't be worth it at the end of the day at all. Yeah. Financially, we couldn't do it. It, it was just too much of a burden to try to go there. Um, because even though they would pay for our place to stay while we're there, the hospital, all the bills would be covered in, in that respect, that doesn't cover everything for the house, for, for food, you know, all the bills, the rent or homeowners, whatever. It it didn't cover any of that. It only covered the cost of taking care of the child in question. Right. And so, right. So in your case... As much as it was difficult, this was still the best course to go, important course of action to, to for for our situation. This was the best course of action because it allowed it allowed Aria to stay home, which is most important, right? Especially in your guys' situation, where she was going from you know Jessica's house to your house, and you guys had visitation rights, things like that. 
You're absolutely right. This would be because the, the family is most most important. You can have medical bills. You can go to the doctor. You can, you know, continue to work, have insurance, all these things. But really, the thing that's going to help her the most and sustain her and even all of you, for that matter, in this tough time is family and yeah. being together. She was she was able to be surrounded by family at all times. Right. Um, her friends. Um, she, she was able to carry out a somewhat normal life. Right. Rather than just being cooped up in a hotel room or a hotel room or something all the time. Right. Yeah, you're right. That makes much, much, much more sense. And, and, and you guys were in the position to be able to give her that, you know, because of the insurance and because of just, just your ability, just to be willingness to do quote, whatever it takes in order to, for, for her. I think that, would you say that that was, a motivation, motivating factor for you was just to, even before you knew about her being terminal, but especially after that point, but even before then, just trying to give her the most quote unquote normal life possible. And I think in a lot of ways, from what I saw from the outsider's position, Arya was going to live normally regardless of anybody else's opinion, she was going to do her thing. She's still going to ride bikes. She still was going to play the baby. She still was going to enjoy life. She was still going to be honored. still watch horror movies, regardless of what anybody else thinks. But I think from a father's perspective, and even from Jessica, from what I'm getting from both of you, was even more so than just her medical care, giving her the best life possible as a child was what was most important. Yeah, I like I said, my mindset was was focused on my kids, and I wanted to make sure that Aria wasn't treated differently. That you know, if she did something wrong and get in trouble, just like her brother and sister would, uh, you know, and and she she could have a normal life as best that one can with cancer. You know, we we did everything we could made all kinds of sacrifices so that she could live a normal life, have friends, have her family, have fun, and, and, and enjoy being who she is. How did you cope? How did you get through those dark, lonely times, man? I mean, I'm sure there were times, man, just laying in bed because of the fact that you are, you have made this decision to be, quote-unquote, married to your kids, right, to where they are your primary focus and primary desire and hope and healing, and that's where you are giving all of yourself. The flip side of that, and as, as commendable as it is, and, and, as, and as, as the adult, that's, you know, the right decision to make. But at the same time, people would say, oh, what about you? Who's going to take care of you? So how did you cope with those hard, lonely times where, you know, like what was your motivating factor to get up every single day and to go to work and to continue providing for your kids? Or was that in and of itself the motivation? I would say that was the motivation. Me getting up, going to work, um, doing what I can, um, it, it was all for my children. Was there ever a moment it got too hard where giving up was on the table? Giving up was never on the table. It was something that was always in the back of my mind. Um, I There are times where I, I just felt like, you know what, 
I, I really feel like I'm done. Yeah. But at the same time, I knew I couldn't stop. It, it would be normal. It would be it would be weird if you didn't feel that way. I think anybody would have. It, it, it would be honest. If anybody is being honest with themselves and with somebody else, that's always going to be in the back of the mind, man, because it is so. You're facing life and death every single day, you know, for, for somebody whom you've given your love and your life to, your own child. Yeah, I mean, that would be so overwhelmingly heavy, man. And thanks, you know, thanks for not giving up. And Aria, man, I mean, that that's what really got her through, I think. It was just one of the things I've always loved about you and about Jessica and even CJ is the fact that you guys always provided such a family atmosphere for Aria. It was almost like she was just surrounded continually, whether it be at your house with your friends and your family or Jessica's house with her friends and family. You were always providing Aria with surrounded by people whom loved her and whom she loved in return. And I think, man, that really, I think, went a lot towards just her continuing to be a source of happiness and light even when she wasn't feeling well because she knew all the time, man, that people loved her. Well, and that's, I mean, that's what you have to do, especially for someone going through what she was going through. You you have to provide love and support and do what do what it takes to get them to see that they are loved, that, you know, people care for them and want to be there for them um, because that's what makes them feel better. That's what gets them through hard times and gets them through the pain and the agony that they're suffering through. Right. Did you find yourself getting closer to any friends or family that was kind of your personal support system? Um. Yeah, I had I had a a couple of friends that, um, if I needed to call, uh, you know, I I could call. I I remember one in particular where, um, I I called multiple times in the middle of the night, two or three o'clock in the morning, even though I know that they had to work the next day, um. You know, they knew what I was going through, and they yeah. they told me to call them, so I did. And <laughs> I mean, a lot of people wouldn't, man. So I'm glad you did. That's great. It 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 helped. Um, you know, I I still I still struggle. Yeah. Um, because anytime I think about everything that happened, I always question whether I could have done more or something different or. You know, should I've gone somewhere else? Should I've tried some kind of other medicine? You know, what what could I have done differently? And I, I unfortunately, I question myself on did I do the right thing? Um, you know, I, yeah, I but that but that just shows your heart, though, man. I mean, that to me, that's saying that even now, even after Aria's gone, you're still fighting to to protect and to love and to provide for her, man. And and I, I mean, obviously you, do you remember, I, I remember one time you called me this long before I think Aria, you were in the middle of job searching. And I remember you called me just to seek some counsel, some advice. And you're like, man, I have these two options in front of me and I don't know which way to go. I don't know which 
place I should do. I mean, this place has this perks and benefits, but here's some of the downsides. This place has its perks and benefits, but some of the downsides. And I remember telling you, and it's actually been a conversation. You know, you always have those conversations sometimes that specific conversations just stick with you in your mind, your experience for the rest of your life. And this conversation I had with you actually is one of those I always go back to. Because a lot of times I have to give myself my own advice. And I remember telling you that no matter what decision you make, it will end up being the right decision. I don't know if you remember that phone call, but I remember telling you, no matter what decision you make, it will end up being the right decision. You know, and I I think that with this circumstance that you were given, I think that there's nothing that we, you or I, specifically Jessica or CJ or anybody who was involved in any way, shape or form, small or big, could have done differently, but it ended up being the only decision. I'm not going to say the right decision because the only the only right decision would be to have her here with us. I mean, I think that's what we all desire and wanted. But concerning a circumstance that was completely out of our control, I mean, you did everything right. You did everything you could, and that in and of itself is everything right, man. Because there's you, I don't think that for one moment that you or Jessica did not pull out every single stop and 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 look at every single opportunity to find a way to help her. And I think that regardless of what medicines or trials or doctors or hospitals she go to, the only amount of medicine that's really going to make the most difference is mom and dad. And you guys gave her all of yourselves, man. So don't ever, yeah, Dan, just from as a friend of friend, man, don't ever second guess yourself because as a father, the greatest medicine that you could ever give her was exactly what you did, man. And that's all of yourself, your blood, your sweat, your tears, every ounce of you was poured into making her have the best life possible in the short time she was here. And man, she'll always remember that and she'll always appreciate that. And, you know, and, I, and I saw that. I mean, I know, man, it may be tough for you to see that and you should look at, look at the mirror sometimes, but I saw it, man, from the outside point of view. And that was not just me. It was everybody who, who was here witnessing your family going through the absolute hardest, t- difficult t- days of your life, seeing you guys just pour all of yourself to give her the best life possible, regardless of how short or how long it's going to be. So you did the right thing, man. Thank you. All right, dude. Let's. Uh, I want to kind of just talk about towards the end. You know, after she had that last surgery, and and you and Jessica had to sign the DNR. Now all of a sudden, you guys are facing not just years, not months, not even days, but we're talking. You have hours left on the table. How do you how do you put in your mind all the things you want to do with your daughter for, that you can and what experiences were in other words I guess my question is was there something there's an experience that you wanted to have with her that you had not yet experienced that you could that you wanted to give her and have her moment with her and I guess I want to kind of lead into what was your last moment with Aria you know that she that, that you remember that's something that you're going to hold on to for the rest of your life that you'll never forget some of some of the moments towards our last days that are just really powerful for you and that have just uh, reverberated in your mind and your brain ever since um 
probably the biggest thing was when she was born, um, we took a photo of all three of them together, um, basically laying on top of each other. How do you remember that? Yeah, it was like, it was a list of the oldest at the bottom, eight in the middle, one in the middle, and then the baby Aria at the, on the top, basically all three of them together. That's right. Right. And, um, uh, literally like two or three days before she passed away, I, I, I just had this bad feeling that she wasn't going to live much longer. Right. And I really, really wanted to do, redo that portrait. Like to reenact that. that Re, moment, to right. reenact that. So I asked her if, if because she, she was bedridden, she couldn't get up and play and, and do a lot of things. So I asked her if she, if she could redo this picture for me. And she wanted to. So I we had the kids lay down one on top of the other. <laughs> was it difficult for her to get off the bed or was she kind of or off the sofa? Um yeah. Yeah, she I mean she struggled. She yeah. she had the breathing tube and and everything, so but at the same time though, man, she's probably just loving that moment being with her brother. I I think she was and and she knew that I really wanted to take that picture and and so she was willing to do it for me, and so I, once they got into position, I I took another picture. Oh wow! And uh, it it turned out great. I mean, it looks like them, <laughs> like the old picture. Right. But I've I've seen it, man, and you're right. I, and I remember actually even seeing the picture the second time. I'm like, where have I seen this before? And then I remember. The when Junari was a baby, and right after she was born, you know, this picture kind of came up, man. So yeah, what a blessing that was to you. Did you did you end up framing it or keeping it, or where, where's that picture now? Um, I I've got a uh, actually a couple of copies of it. One I I want to get in a picture frame and hang on the wall, um, and then I've got it, of course, digitally copied. Right. Uh, but yeah, I I uh, that that's one of the pictures. Actually, I want to get both of those pictures hung on the wall, the yeah. old one and the new one. Just like right next to each other, man. That'd be really, really cool yeah. just to see. Absolutely, man. Do you ever go through your phone and watch some of the old videos and the old and all of the pictures? I don't, know if, I, don't know if, I don't know if Aria's was like my daughter, but similar circumstances that my daughter takes my phone. I mean, if you were to go to my photo album right now, man, it's just like there's entire just pages of photos and videos that my daughter just records herself, mostly because I have a lock on it and she can't do anything else, so she just records herself. I, I've often wondered if that if that's difficult for you to go back and watch those or do they give you comfort and a reminder of, of her or is it maybe a little bit of both? It's both up to an extent until I start getting memories flooded back. And then, um, I, I have to stop looking. Right. I get that. I get that. Yeah, because all of a sudden, because you're right, because there comes a point to where you're missing her and you want to hear her voice again and you want to see her face. But the truth is, unfortunately, those memories are also attached to a lot of hard memories as well. That I don't necessarily think that you guys bottle them up, but there's something, but they're just always just going to be there. And no one's ever going to really understand just how, you know, because they're never going to be in your shoes 
just how they are affecting you. But at the same time, I don't I don't see you or Jessica bottling them up unhealthily because we that's why you're here today. Because we, we, we're not, not to regurgitate or to put ourselves in this stress situation to bring up these memories, but because we want Aria to continue to be remembered. We want her to have a story that people can listen to and, 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 and be inspired by and be strengthened by. And even going through the most darkest days, and there may be even people listening that they themselves are where you were two years ago, you know, having to face their son or daughter going to the hospital all the time or having to face this terminal disease. And just by hearing your voice, knowing that you were able to give all and endure and to have this memory with a daughter, you know, maybe an inspiration to them to be able to keep fighting as well. Um, and luckily, my my daughter did take my phone a lot and uh, take pictures and make a lot of those recordings. So uh, every now and then I can go back and I can hear her voice again. Mm. Um, it It is difficult, but at the same time, it hasn't been that long since we lost her. Right. You're really so, talking a little over a year, so yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it, uh, I, I think later on in life, um, I can go back a little more and, and look at the pictures and watch the videos and stuff like that. And, you know, then it can be good, happy memories. Um, but yeah, right now it's, it's still really difficult. That's a tough question, man. This just, I'm not trying to, to. Yeah, I'll just ask it. What do you miss the most about her? I miss her energy that she gave. Um, I miss her laugh. I miss her smile. Um, <laughs> oh, she wow. she always, whenever she would do something funny or silly, uh, she would put both her hands up to her mouth and and kind of scrunch them up, and start giggling. Yeah, um, that's true. And uh, she was an honor kid, man. She, she was honor. <laughs> she, she loved she loved playing games. She she would uh, she had this little container uh, that she would put stuff in it and bring it up to me and say, "Guess what's in it? Shake it and guess what's in it." So we we would play that game quite often. And you know, sometimes I could guess it, and sometimes uh, she could fool me. But wow. uh, that was that was one of the little games that she loved to play. Do you ever find yourself going through your home? Because there's obviously evidences of her around your house. Do you ever? Is there ever a moment you're going through? Maybe you're having a Saturday afternoon cleaning session, or you just maybe you know stumbling looking for the remote or something like. Where all of a sudden there's just a reminder of her, like like there's just a piece of her that all of a sudden triggers some sort of memory or just some sort of present that she left you didn't know about or something like that. All the time. Yeah. I, you know, there's obviously there's evidence of her everywhere in my house. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, if I come across something that I hadn't seen in a while that was hers or something that I knew she loved to mess with, right. Uh, it it would bring back memories of of her and, and things that she did and 
so yeah it it's very very difficult i um i very rarely ever go into her bedroom um simply because it brings back a lot of memories and for the most part the bedroom is still in the condition that she left wow. it in I think, like we said, it's, it's been, it hasn't been even been that long, so that's not unusual at all. I mean, it's only been a little over a year, so yeah, man. Is there? Is there? Uh, do you have plans to kind of keep it that way for a little while, or um, changing it up for a while? Um, you know, it, it's it's something that I've had to work myself up to, right? Um, because every time I step into the room, you know it. It uh, makes me cry and and feel really sad because you know because she's gone and everything. So I've had to. I go in there every once in a while just to try to get myself going and and you know eventually I'll be able to go in there and and straighten things up and and redo things. Um, you know because eventually she would have grown up and moved out and. Right the room would have been changed anyway. Um, but at this point, I'm I'm not to that point where I can do any of that. Yeah, well, that's fine, man. No rush at all. I think that, that the whole thing is a part of the whole healing process. I mean, it's not like you're holding on to it because you're in denial. I mean, I think you're very aware that she's not here anymore. And, and, and I think all these things are just a part of the healing, you know, just one step and one day at a time. You know, and I think that's one thing that I I, I was going to say ask you is like, you know, out of generally out of super dark, heavy, hard times, you know, they say with every sunset there's a sunrise, you know, and tonight, tomorrow, and today even is not promised to any of us, right? You know, so we have to just focus on what we have at this moment right now and how we've been able to endure the difficult days behind us. In what ways has this circumstance made you a better or stronger person? You know, obviously you didn't ask for it, but I think natural, a natural outcome, especially for men, you know, would be to, uh, to, to just, just to, to use our life to make us better people, even in absolute horrible conditions. How are you? Maybe how, maybe the first question is, how are you different? And then maybe the second part of that question is how has it made you stronger or even a better person and maybe a better man or a better father even? Um, I think the biggest thing, the biggest change is it's taught me patience. Um, it's helped me control losing my mind or, well, it's helped me control my anger a little more because right. um, I've, I've had to learn to, you know, watch what I say, watch what I do, watch how I act a lot more. Do you think that's because you have a little bit more of appreciation for life maybe? And so life's too short to get angry kind of a thing or? Um, yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, I know, in my past, I've I've had uh, issues where I would get upset easily, and uh, sometimes, you know, lash out or whatever. But 
I, I've be, because of this whole situation in the last four years now, I've had to I've had to control myself a whole lot more and and learn patience and learn to deal with things in a different way um, so that you know I, I can let her know that she was loved and that I'm not angry with her or upset with her you know mm. I, I've, I've had to I've had to become a better person uh, in order to be there for not only her but for her brother and sister because I know they're hurting too right um, it, it hasn't been easy on on any of us right and that's one thing I do remember seeing is just like with Alyssa and Aiden I mean they are so different. I mean, they're similar in some ways, but in a lot of ways, although they, 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 they seem to react and respond to losing their sister differently. Where Alyssa's more, I want to talk about it, get it over and get it out there, and you know, and just kind of process it. Aiden is a lot more internal, you know, and he and he expresses his. I remember, like I said in the last episode with Jessica, I remember when I was out there in the living room on the evening then that we lost Aria that. Aiden probably drew like 20 different, you know, 15 different things. I mean, that's all he did. All he did all night long was just express himself through his art. Uh, Cause that's just, that's just the only thing he knew to do. Um, and I think that having you being there now for them, has it, has it, has it, has it helped your relationship with them, with your, with your, with your daughter and Aiden? Have you, do you find yourself, I mean, obviously, you you because you said you had to basically marry yourself to the children. I mean, you in other words, you were they were your number one focus, especially after the divorce. Now having to go through this trauma, I'll even say as a trauma as a family, has it brought you closer to your kids? I I would like to think so. Yeah. Um, you know, my son and I spend far more time together than we used to. We hang out together. We do things together. Um, and then my daughter, my other daughter, she, uh, we got closer, um, but with her, I've had to really have a lot of patience, you know, right. because, uh, you know, she was a teenager and, you know, she's going through that teenage phase that, most kids go through right. rebellious a little bit and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, as every parent does, they get frustrated with their kids. Course, and naturally. So it, it, I, I've gotten closer, but I think, I, I think that overall, I, I think we've gotten tighter as a family. I think we've, uh, re- learned to rely on each other a little more. Yeah. You said you mentioned earlier a few minutes ago about how you've developed more patience and allowed your, you know, your anger to be more under control. Does that even cross over to your parenting style with them? You know, being able to have a little more patience for with your children. Um. Yeah. I mean, I. You know, when when Alyssa was younger, uh, I would yell at her for all kinds of things. Um. Like it was a real hot trigger, you know. I understand, yeah. Right, and you know now, um, 
you know, she, she's gone through some stuff even here recently and growing pains as it were. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, and I, I haven't raised my voice with her. I've just, you know, I've tried talking to her in a nice calm manner and, and basically tell her, you know, this is how things have to happen. It, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, right. You know, it, it, You've got to do things a certain way. You're old enough now to be an adult. Right, she's legally an adult now, so you got to make your own choices and, and so consequences. I, you know, I, I can't do everything for her anymore. She's going to have to learn to do things. I guess maybe that own. actually brings up a whole new question I hadn't even thought about just now. You're right. Alyssa now is, an, is, is, is 18. She's, you know, becoming an adult, has a job, you know, uh, is is trying to make her own way into, into life will eventually move out. Is there a part of you that is like, I think that every single parent, even when their kids are young, they know that their kids are only on loan to them for a certain amount of time, right? Like the whole purpose of having a child is not to just have a child that you held, that you hold on to forever, you know, but you raise them to become good humans and to be, part of society and to make good choices and all of these things beings that you lost a child so young has that made it more difficult to let Alyssa quote unquote go into her own as an adult or or maybe has it made it easier I, I don't know yes actually it it's it's made it a lot more difficult because I knew eventually Alyssa would would you know, grow up, move out on her own, start doing her own thing. Um, I didn't expect my house to be so empty so fast. Right. Um, That's true. You know, I, 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 two months before Aria passed away, but right before, well, a month before we knew her cancer was terminal, I'd actually just bought a house. Um, you know, I bought a four bedroom house cause I wanted enough room for all of my children to have their own room and not have to share rooms one. So they wouldn't fight with each other. Um, which was great. Everybody was happy. Aria loved the fact that she had her own room and she could do whatever she wanted to with it. Alyssa was happy. She didn't have to share a room with her little sister. And Aiden was of course happy that he didn't have, if he wanted to get away from his sisters, he could. Right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and then it, I mean, it didn't hit me until she passed away that, you know, now I have an empty room that should not have been emptied for several years. It was empty too soon. Yeah. I, I just, I wasn't prepared for it. And, um, now Alyssa, she's, uh, going off to college um, so I sort of have another empty room now, you know, she comes back on the holidays and, you know, certain occasions where she just needs to get away. She'll come back home for that. But for the most part, it's, it's just me and, and Aiden now. Right. Which actually might end up being a really good thing for you and Aiden, you know, to kind of create that bonds and having some guy time and just, you know, just building that, you know, and I think one thing about you is that all of your kids truly have had to have been raised 
differently. You know, like there's just different. I mean, everyone has. I, I, I mean, I only have one kid, so I don't necessarily. I can't really speak for this, but from an observer point of view, a lot of people can just, especially if they have their kids close together, they can you know raise their kids. I mean, every kid's going to be different, but you you know you do similar things, and 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 they're raising the child. With you, that was really not ever an option because Alyssa was so much older. And then you have, and then you had Aiden, and then Aria. You know, I think that you just have really three different kids and different raising styles. I would imagine, or no? I mean, I, I guess am I talking out of turn? I don't know. Yeah, you can understand what I'm saying. The, it just the, seems like the there's... the big age difference between Alyssa and her siblings um, made it necessary to raise them differently because. Things change over time. Right. Um, you know, uh, lifestyles change. Uh, technology changes. Technology yeah. changes. I mean, society itself changes so much that things that were one way when she was eight years old, that by the time Aiden got eight years old, was totally different. Yeah. And we had to do things differently. Yeah, I can't. I honestly, dude, I am not looking forward to ten years from now and my child's a teenager. Like, I just don't even know because I think about what it was like. I mean, ten years ago there was barely an iPhone, right? Uh, so I think the iPhone came out like oh seven oh eight. It's a bar- It was still a brand new thing that only a certain amount of people have. Now every single person has a smartphone. I don't even want to know what my what's gonna be like in ten years when my daughter's a teenager. Like I'm not looking forward to that, you know. But uh, you got to do what you got to do. Exactly, and you have to adapt to the times and and learn to parent the best you can. Even though the world has their own has its own idea of how your kids could be raised, you can't let that affect what you know is best and what is right. So yeah, that makes sense, man. Well, dude, uh, I mean, I just want to, again, I want to appreciate, just uh, extend my appreciation for you coming out today and just helping me to, just to put Aria's story in permanent record. Um, I want people to just not only know that there was a little girl named Aria who lived in this earth, but man, she was a source of strength and fire and power and presence and peace and love toward everyone she was around and especially her family. I mean, especially with you and Jessica, I mean, you guys got to see that firsthand every single day that she was here. It's just that, and then that probably still sustains you to a point, you know, just remembering just her smiles and just her energy and just her love for life. Would you say that that even still resonates in you today? Yeah, with all the the joy and stuff that that she had uh you know, the free spirit the uh, she was a very caring person she she cared about your feelings she cared uh if she hurt you or anything like that uh you know um i remember one time uh we were kind of playing around and uh, she jumped on my back and she she landed the wrong way on my back, and it really really hurt. <laughs> and she ended up crying and running to her room because she thought oh, she really man. hurt me real bad. And I I tried to talk to her, and it it took a little while before she would talk to me about it. But you know I had to try to reassure her that I'm okay, 
you know. You're lucky. My kid doesn't care. <laughs> my my kid would come up and climb on me and jump on me and ow, and she'll do it again. So that's no, I get you, man. That's what uh, that just shows just her heart. Just her heart was so caring, and she, she. I think that's one of the things about it is like, and that been one of the things that really got her through it is that she was just so self like self-forgetting like she like was not more she was more mindful of everybody else more than herself you know so when she was going through this pain and suffering and, and issues it's like it didn't even register to her because she was just more concerned about making sure everybody else's was everybody else was okay yes that, that's exactly how she was wow well then man, this is this is why man this is why people need to know who Aria was and who she is in our hearts still and, and and man again thank you for just for bringing these things to the show today and just the courage that you have and Jessica has just to share just the truth and the story man about her and and I pray that that uh, no one will ever stop forgetting even when you and I are long gone you know I pray that her story will continue on and just be a source of strength and inspiration to to friends and strangers and family, family members, all of us alike, because you know that she deserves that, and the world deserves to hear it and needs to hear it. So, thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right, guys. So hit me up on This Is Life Pod on Twitter. Uh, this is Life Pod at gmail.com. Maybe you have questions for the show. Maybe you have questions for Chris and or Jessica. Maybe I can have both of them in, or even CJ. Maybe I have all, all three of them in if I need to, just to, just to have a question and answer. Um, maybe there's something that we miss that you want to hear about, um, or maybe you just want to share your own story. So hit me at live at This Is Life Pod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And and my shameless plug in every single week, I. Do do need those iTunes reviews, guys. They really helped us to get the, the word out and the and Apple's algorithm to kind of promote the show. And so if the show's been a blessing to you and you want to be able to give back in a little way, uh, that would go a long way. Just go to rate the show and just leave a review, even if it's a couple sentences. That would be greatly, wonderfully appreciated. Until next time, God bless you guys. Aloha and mahalo. 